All right, good morning. It's good to be with you all. And uh, I told Brother Richard when he said he never saw me break a rule or have a bad attitude, I said, I'm glad you weren't too close to me when I was in Bible college. Uh, you may have seen that a little more. But uh, thank you for allowing me to come and to present our ministry to, at your church today. This is my first time being in Connecticut, and it's a blessing. And uh, I, I love Connecticut. You have done well to, uh, for, to help me to think well of Connecticut. And uh, I hope not the next time I'm in the States, I'll be able to come and bring my wife and my son to be with you all. Thank you, Pastor Richard, for the nice hotel, the accommodations, and it's been a blessing. Uh, thank you for being faithful to the Lord here in Connecticut. It's such a blessing that whether... I'm in Ghana or here in America on Sunday to come and to feel a kinship with brothers and sisters in Christ. We serve the same Lord, doing the same work for God. Thank you for being faithful. Connecticut needs this church. And be faithful to our Lord, I beg of you. If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we will be reading verses 14 and 15. First Peter chapter 3 and verses 14 through 15. And if you would, could you stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning? I'll read and you can follow along. The Bible says, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And let's pray. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you for allowing us to come and meet together in your house. I thank you for these precious people. Thank you for giving us your word, for the opportunity you've given me to preach. Lord, you know my heart. I want to be a help to the people this morning, but I can't do it in my strength. I ask that you'd give me your spirit's power to deliver the message. Pray for each listener that they'll have open ears. And an open heart to hear and receive the truth you have for them this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was studying my Bible several months ago and I came across these verses. And the phrase in verse number 15, it said, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And I thought... I wonder what that verse means. What is that verse telling me to do? To sanctify means to make clean or holy, to set apart or to purify. Normally when you find uh, the word sanctify in the Bible, it's referring to God telling you and I to sanctify ourselves. Or to be holy, or to be clean, to be set apart from sin. But in verse number 15 of 1 Peter 3, it says that we are to sanctify the Lord. How can I sanctify the Lord? Is not the Lord 
holy? Is he not pure? Is he not set apart? How can we sanctify God? As I studied this out further, I learned that the word sanctify carries another meaning. To sanctify also means to regard with great respect, to revere, to honor as holy, to venerate, to extol or exalt above all others. And I realized that in this verse it is teaching us to regard the Lord God with our utmost respect, to honor Him as holy and set apart above all others, to reverence Him, to fear Him, and to stand in awe of Him, to give Him the first place in our heart, and to give Him the best of our love and our affection. And as I realized what the Word of God was telling me to do, I was greatly convicted and challenged. For all too often I neglect to sanctify the Lord in my heart. I propose to you this morning that we ought to exalt the Lord. We ought to regard the Lord with our utmost respect. We ought to extol Him and lift Him up as supreme. Our greatest love and our greatest affection ought to be shown to the Lord. This morning I want to give you two ways in which you ought to sanctify the Lord. Number one, sanctify the Lord in your heart. We see this command given in our text verses in 1 Peter 3. Too often we don't sanctify God in our hearts because our view of God is not correct. We don't see God for who He truly is, and so we don't give Him the honor that He deserves. I'm reminded of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah uh, was lifted up and he saw in a vision the Lord high and lifted up on his throne. And the Bible says that when he saw the Lord, his response was, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm reminded of Job, a righteous man, an upright man who feared God and eschewed evil. But Job went through a great trial, a great affliction. And, and, and Job went through a time of questioning God. God, what are you doing to me? And God came and he spoke to Job. And after God spoke to Job, Job said, I have heard of thee with the hearing of the ear. Now mine eye seeth thee. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. If we're going to sanctify the Lord in our heart, we have to have the right view of who God is. Who is our God? I want to say to you first, our God is the Creator. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. David said, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Amen. Amen. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. 
Our God is the Creator. Worship Him. Sanctify Him in your heart. When you wake up in the morning and you look at the beautiful creation that God has made, sanctify the Lord in your heart. When you see the sunrise proclaiming the faithfulness of our great God, sanctify the Lord in your heart. When you see the birds fly and hear them sing, and you see the beauties of the trees and the flowers and the plants, and maybe even the snow today, amen, let it cause you to sanctify the Lord in your heart. When you see the amazing way in which God has created mankind, let it cause you to say with the psalmist, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Who is our God? Our God is the creator of all things. Our God is also the giver of good things. James said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is good to all, and God is good all the time. David said, The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand, and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. Amen. Not only do we have a great God who is the creator of heaven and earth, but we have a good God. And He is the giver of every good gift. Zacharias said, For how great is His goodness, and how great is His beauty. I love what the psalmist said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a chorus we like to sing in Ghana. I don't know if you sing it in your church here. It says, God is so good. You know that chorus? Would you be willing to sing that with me this morning? Let's sing it together. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to Isn't God good? We just celebrated Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. A time to remember all the good things that God has done for us. I love what the songwriter said, Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Let the goodness of God cause you to sanctify Him. In your heart this morning. Who is our God? Our God is the creator. Our God is the giver of good things. And we also see that our God is the savior of sinful men. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yesterday I was out sowing with Pastor Richard, and we met a young lady, I believe her name was Ashley, and Ashley read this verse for me, and I asked her, I said, Ashley, who did Christ, who did Christ die for? And she looked at the verse, and she said, he died for sinners. I said, that's exactly right. Praise God, 
He didn't die just for the righteous people. He died for sinners like you and me. Man of sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless we, spotless Lamb of God was he, full atonement can it be. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah. What a Savior. And when he comes, our glorious King, all his ransomed home to bring, then anew this song will sing. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Our God is the Savior of sinful men. I don't know this morning what a sinner you are, but I know what a Savior He is. And I know that He was rejected. He was despised. He was beaten and bruised and bloodied. And He was pierced and He was crucified for me. Because He's the Savior of sinful men. The Bible says in Hebrews 10:17 that God said in their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Think about your savior this morning. The one who died on the cross to pay for your sins and let it cause you to sanctify the Lord in your heart. I love the song that says I love thee because thou first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I loved thee, my Jesus, tis now. Our God is the Savior of sinful men. Lift him up, exalt him, extol him, revere him, give him your greatest love and affection and devotion. Who is our God? Our God is also a faithful father and friend. John said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I think this is one of my favorite things about God. He is close by. He is accessible. He is a very present help in trouble. David said, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Who is the Lord God? He's my father. He provides my needs. He protects me from harm. He guides me in the path that I should go. He chastens me when I go astray. And He loves me very deeply. As my faithful father and friend, He invites me 
to draw closer to Him. He invites me to come boldly to the throne of grace. He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I am His own. Can it be? Can it be that the Creator of heaven and earth, that the one who opens His hand and satisfies the desire of every living creature, that the Savior of sinful men would have a personal relationship with me? Yes. Yes, 10,000 times yes. God wants your fellowship. God wants your friendship. And He is a Father who loves His children. And He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ alone to be your personal Savior, let me tell you this morning that God is your Father. You are His beloved child. And He loves you very much. And let that cause you to sanctify the Lord in your heart. This morning, let me ask you, Is the Lord sanctified in your heart? Is He exalted as supreme? Is He regarded with deep respect? Do we honor and love His words and His commands? See, I believe this is connected to the first and great commandment that is given to us in God's Word. First commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. Let me ask you this morning, has something else taken the throne of your heart? Have you left your first love for God? I was talking with Pastor Lejeune, and we're talking about how exciting it is when somebody get saved, and they begin to grow. And, and, and everything is new, and it's exciting, kind of like a, a, a man and a woman when they just get married. And, and that first love, it's wonderful. But many times, as Christians, we leave our first love. Have you left your first love for God? Are you worshiping the gifts that He's given more than the giver of the gifts? Has any iniquity came into your life and caused your love for God to grow cold? This morning, let me encourage you to sanctify the Lord in your heart. Give Him first place. Give Him your love and your affection and your devotion. First of all, this morning, I want to Encourage you, sanctify the Lord in your heart. Secondly, I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. This passage, Moses and Aaron are leading the children of Israel, and they're in the wilderness. Children of Israel, as they went through the wilderness, there were many lessons that God had to teach them. And one of the problems they had was they liked to complain. 
And in Numbers chapter 20, they're complaining against Moses and Aaron. We come to verse number 7. The people were thirsty. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts to drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them, This is the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. I say to you, first of all this morning, sanctify the Lord in your heart. But secondly, sanctify the Lord in the sight of others. We read here of Moses and Aaron, and they were to represent God to the people. God told them, He said, I want you to speak to the rock so that the water will come out. Moses and Aaron, in their anger, spoke to the people, called them rebels, and smote the rock. And because of that act, God said, you will not enter the promised land. You have forfeited your right to lead my people into the promised land. It seems to me that that is quite a harsh judgment. Many people have speculated as to why God judged Moses and Aaron so harshly. But in verse number 12, God tells them it is because, he says, Ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Again, in Deuteronomy 32, when Moses is about to die and God tells him to go to Mount Nebo, he tells him in verse 51, he says, Because ye trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, because ye sanctified me not in the midst of the children of Israel. See, Moses and Aaron were supposed to represent God well. The people were in the wrong. The people were complaining and griping against God. And Moses and Aaron were to stand and show mercy to them and deal kindly with them. And I believe that if they would have done so, that it would have caused conviction to the people for their bad attitude. But Moses and Aaron did not represent God well. They responded in anger and God was not sanctified through them to his people. 
We are to sanctify the Lord in the sight of others. God desires greatly to be sanctified or regarded with respect and honor in the sight of those that we influence. In Acts chapter 7, we have a record of Stephen preaching and and the people, they didn't like his message. They didn't like him saying, you crucified the Messiah. They picked up stones and, and they stoned him to death. But there was a young man there named Saul. They put their coats at his feet and they, as they picked up the stones to kill Stephen. And as Stephen died, if you recall, he looked up to heaven and he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Stephen represented God well. And then you come to Acts chapter 9, and there's Saul again. And I believe that God used Stephen, representing him to help Saul to get to the place to where when God confronted him on the road to Damascus, Saul responded, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And Saul was converted, and he became the great apostle Paul. But praise God for a Stephen who represented God well. Who sanctified the Lord in the sight of Saul. We ought to conduct our lives in such a way that makes people say, you must have a great God. We should live a life that makes God look good and brings honor to his name. I want to give you a few thoughts about this. First of all, we represent Christ. We represent Christ. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We are ambassadors of Christ. We represent our heavenly king in this earthly kingdom. And just as people think of an ambassador's country by the conduct and the speech of the ambassador, so also what people think of our God will largely be determined by our conduct and by our speech. As Christians, we bear the name of Jesus Christ, our God, and we must not forget that. People are watching us. And they are judging our God by what they see us do and the words they hear us speak. Let this truth be a guide to you as you choose in your life what kind of clothing you choose to wear. What kind of music you choose to listen to. What movies you choose to watch. What friends you make. The words that you speak. And the places that you go. Oh, that people would view our lives and they would say, those are genuine Christians. They represent Christ well. We represent Christ. Our sin and iniquity bring shame to God's name. Several months back, I was reading it article, a newspaper article, and it was written about um, some Baptist church leaders. 
And it was, it was about some cover-ups of abuse and scandals that had gone on. And I thought to myself, I wonder what someone who doesn't know our God thinks when they read this paper. The truth is that church leaders who do evil to their members greatly disgrace God's name. We have a high calling, and we are to represent Christ well. And our sin and iniquity will bring shame to God's name. I'm reminded of David. David, the man after God's own heart. The sweet psalmist of Israel. Great king of Israel. But David fell. David committed adultery. And then, to cover his sin of adultery, he committed murder. About a year later, Nathan comes to David. And he tells him, Because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Our sin and our iniquity can bring great shame to God's name. Sin starts out small, but if it is allowed to remain in our lives, it becomes a stronghold, and we become the servant of our sin. And this will bring shame and disgrace to our God. The Apostle Paul said, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others... I myself should be a castaway. We represent Christ. Our sin brings shame to God's name. And lastly, we have been given a great opportunity. We can be the tool that God uses to make him honored and reverenced by our fellow man. Moses and Aaron were given this opportunity also. But in the story we read, they failed. To sanctify the Lord. Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We are the light of the world. We have an opportunity. Yes, we live in a dark world. When I come back to visit America... After being gone for a few years, it's, it's sad to see the changes that are taking place in America. And, you know, America is not the same as it was 50 years ago, 40 years ago. The truth is that we have a great opportunity as Christians because the darker the world gets, the brighter we shine. In the book of Daniel, Daniel and his three friends were taken captive to Babylon, a very wicked uh, culture, Babylon, by King Nebuchadnezzar. But they were, as they lived in the country of Babylon in a very pagan and wicked culture, they had a great opportunity. In Daniel chapter 2, when God enabled Daniel to interpret the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar, 
Nebuchadnezzar said, Of a truth, it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then in Daniel chapter 3, when Nebuchadnezzar made a big image and told all of the leaders in his realm to bow down and worship the image, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down, and Nebuchadnezzar had them thrown in the furnace, and God protected them. And after that, Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, There is no other God that can deliver after this sort. What we see happening is that God is being sanctified in the sight of wicked king Nebuchadnezzar. And then in Daniel chapter 4, we see Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who had been lifted up in his pride, was humbled by God. God brought him low. And after this experience, Nebuchadnezzar said this, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Amen? God was sanctified in this wicked, the life and heart of this wicked king. And I believe it was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were tools of God, who sanctified God in his sight to bring him to a place where he would humble himself. And I believe that Nebuchadnezzar was saved and that we'll see him in heaven one day. We have an opportunity to be the light in this dark world. Paul said that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Don't be discouraged today by the darkness and the sin of this world. But be encouraged today that you can shine as a light of this world. We have a great opportunity. This morning, I want to encourage you and challenge you. Sanctify the Lord. Lift Him up. First of all, sanctify the Lord in your own heart, in your own life. Give Him the first place. Make Him number one. Honor Him and reverence Him in His Word. And number two, sanctify the Lord in the sight of others. Let's be the right representatives of our Lord Jesus Christ.